Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 29 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's Black and Gold brand. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 80 of Wrestle continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT on Sci-Fi not USA Network, for the second week in a row due to continuing Olympics coverage through this week as we get back to normal next week with two shows to go before TakeOver 36 going down on Sunday, August 22nd, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern on Peacock, which promises to be a big show. And as we get closer and closer to the date, it looks more doubtful that the show will be outside of the Capitol Wrestling Center, but we shall see if tickets don't go on sale by next week, then we're stuck in Florida for this show and I'm not mad at it but I just want a different atmosphere for a takeover event it has not been the same since takeover Portland back in February 2020 and I want that energy in a building with a lot of people there as safely as possible to go off for NXT to really hear who's over outside of the Florida bubble Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but we shall see as we get closer to that takeover date. And last night's show was there. It was aight. In some ways, it was just a show to fill two hours. Nothing particularly outstanding or exciting, with a few exceptions, as the big draw was the Love Her or Leave Her match featuring Johnny Gargano versus Dexter Loomis. If Dexter wins, he gets a date to Indy, and if he loses, Indy is off limits. So I know a lot of Index fans were looking forward to that match. Otherwise, this was pretty nondescript by NXT standards. It felt like a show that was going through the motions because they taped two shows in one night a couple of weeks ago as a way to get through the Olympics rush on USA Network, which makes sense. But it would be nice to have back-to-back shows have a little bit more life and bite to it. And last night was definitely lacking in that regard. But it is my duty to cover this show with zest and energy. And I'm going to give it my all, damn it, to make sure you get the best NXT nightcap to get you through your Wednesday and the rest of your week. So without further ado, let's take a deep dive into last night's NXT airing taped from the Capitol Wrestling Center in Orlando, Florida. And we kick things off with Hit Row, Top Dollar, and Ashanti the Adonis versus Legado de Fantasmas, Oro Mendoza, and Joaquin Wilde. And this was a solid match, which saw Top Dollar dominate Wilde early on, just lifting him up for a delay choke slam attempt, elbow dropping him, floating over, and just whooping ass accordingly. You got to love it. Laid him out with the clothesline at one point, just dominating the pace and the action until Ashanti got the high tag once again. And at this point, Santos Escobar gets on the ring apron alongside B-Fab and Isaiah Swerve Scott. And that distracts referee long enough for Legato to double team Ashanti and throw him against the barricade as we go to commercial break. We come back and Ashanti is the babyface in peril until he makes a high tag once again to top Dalla, who goes to work on Legato. And then from out of nowhere, we have Santos Escobar blatantly hit top dollar in the back with a steel chair to draw the automatic disqualification. And from there, this was a beat down on top dollar and swerve as your Legato beat down swerve. Santos whips him with a steel chair. Then he yanks out the diamond grill of swerve the ultimate sign of disrespect 
Eventually, B-Fab is trying to wake up Top Dollar to get back in the ring and take care of business. Eventually, she takes matters into her own hands and she has a steel chair and she hits Joaquin Wilde in the back with it. And she's not afraid to go toe to toe against Escobar. And that gave the rest of Hit Row time to recover as Top Dollar got in the ring, delivered a double drop kick to both Mendoza and Wilde as Escobar scurried up the ramp to wrap up the opening segment of NXT. Top Dollar doing a double drop kick for his size is really impressive. He has potential as a big man in WWE if he continues to grow and learn as a performer. And I'm very excited about Hit Row versus Legato de Fantasma and the presumed NXT North America Championship match between Swerve and Escobar at TakeOver 36 in a couple of weeks. As their Cruiserweight Championship match last year at a TakeOver was pretty good. But at the same time, I felt like they were holding back a bit. They weren't completely themselves in the moment, especially Swerve, who's so great. And as he's embraced being the leader of Hit Row, truly being himself this time around in Santos Escobar is great. And I thought his best work came via his matches with Kushida earlier this year for the Cruiserweight Championship. So we know deep down he has the goods to deliver on the big stage. And he and Swerve have history dating back to Lucha Underground. So I know they can turn it up when need be to deliver a classic for the North American Championship. Hopefully they have the time and the space to do their thing in the ring in a few weeks' time. Next up is the return of Rich Holland to the ring versus Ikemen Juro. And this matchup made me a little sad because Juro is incredibly talented and charismatic. And he faced a guy that needed a win. And I will say this for Rich Holland. When he makes his entrance, the camera absolutely loves him. There's a magnetism there. And then the match starts and it's kind of vacant. And he's got to work on the aura and the projection of being a monster, of being a heel of being a guy that should be feared in the ring at all times. And Ikemenjiro did a great job selling his ass off, getting about four good punches in before getting laid out on the outside, getting thrown against a barricade, getting suplexed everywhere. And Holland committed the ultimate insult by ripping the jacket off Jiro, which made the fans boo at this sacrilege. And Jiro tried to make a comeback to Noah Vell, got his ass beat once again and dropped with a power slam for the win, a very basic finish to an okay squash match. That didn't do much for me. Holland has a great body, reminds me of Pat McAfee, minus the personality, of course. But he needs to project himself more into these matches to make them stick. That was his core issue dating back to his run on NXT at Full Cell last year when nobody was there. And those were the doldrums of the empty arena era. And he was trying to establish himself as a guy that can get over as a heel. And he had potential. And he came back to attack Adam Cole to align with McAfee and company. But he got injured about three days into his run in this group. And it kind of went south from there. He's back now from a catastrophic knee injury. It's good to see him back and healthy once again, but he's running into the exact same problem he had before his injury and in that he needs to project more of his personality. It is doable, but you can have size all day, but if you don't have that extra quality to make you stand out as a star, you're lost. And hopefully he can find it. And when Pete Dunne has got to be the guy to speak for you, and he's not known as being a great promo, it's telling that Holland cannot generate heat for himself on the mic. 
he can do it in the ring, but without a personality, it's very bland and standard, which should not be the case on NXT when the standard of excellence in terms of getting yourself over is so high. Next up is Bobby Fish versus Roderick Strong in a grudge match dating back to their days in the Undisputed Era. And this match was very good, extremely technical in nature, a lot of kicks in this match, a lot of knee strikes, a lot of grappling to boot, very mat-based. And that might not be everybody's cup of tea. It worked for me last night as Bobby Fish had a couple of near falls on Roddy Strong, but the outcome was never in doubt as Roddy hit a jumping knee and a backbreaker for the one, two, three. Pretty decisive finish. And Kushida challenges Strong to a match for the Cruiserweight Championship, presumably at TakeOver, which should be awesome considering both men are technicians and they are not afraid to let loose and put on the show for our entertainment. Next up is Cameron Grimes teaming up with LA Knight versus Grizzle Young veterans Zach Gibson and James Drake. And Cameron Grimes was forced to wrestle in his butler attire. He looked like a penguin in a lot of ways, but he was working his ass off. And then he's basically the babyface apparel trying to make the hot tag to LA Knight. And LA Knight does what he does as a heel. He jumps off the apron and abandons his tag team partner. And Cameron Grimes says, fuck this. I'm taking off my gloves. I'm going to fight by myself. And he tried his damnness. He did a double hurricanrana to both members of Grizzly Young Veterans. And he's standing Spanish fly on James Drake for a near fall as well. Eventually, the numbers game got the best of Grimes as he missed the blind tag from the vets and got hit with a ticket to mayhem for the one two, three. And after the match is over, we have Ted DiBiase consoling Grimes saying, I know you said you're a man of your word, but you got to get out of this kid. You're too good for this. I told you what he was and what he is, and he's no good for you. So please find a way out of this mess. And we have Grimes and Ted DiBiase head backstage together in a nice moment. And I love the storyline between Knight and Cam and Grimes. Eventually, one day soon, I do believe they could be a tag team that gets along because their chemistry is undeniable and it's something that you cannot force. It's just there and it's magical. It's unique. It's weird. It's lovely. And you want a tag team eventually because you don't want the hijinks to stop. I got my wish with Thatcher and Ciampa earlier this year and now I want it now more than ever for these two to eventually put aside their differences and work together for the greater good. But we shall see about that. But Ted DiBiase getting a bag in 2021 and adding a lot of layers to this story is a nice touch as well. Next up is Dakota Kai explaining herself as to why she attacked Raquel Gonzalez last week. Dakota says, I plucked Raquel Gonzalez out of obscurity. I made her big mommy cool. I made her a dominant force in NXT that ran through the likes of Rhea Ripley and eventually Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. She is the one that dominated this entire division because I put her in the position to dominate. And then, heading into TakeOver Stand and Deliver, when Io Shirai issued a challenge, she blew past me and went right for Raquel. And in that moment, Raquel should have said no and realized that I was the one more deserving of this opportunity, not her. And then she won the championship because of me. And she's ungrateful. And she overlooked me time and time again. And I'm tired of being overlooked. 
I brought Raquel into this world and at TakeOver, I'm going to take her out and win the NXT Women's Championship. I thought Dakota Kai did some great character work during this sit-down promo to really recap the history of Raquel Gonzalez dating back to the Mae Young Classic back in 2017 when she was Rena Gonzalez at the time. And I thought she had good presence back then, green, of course, but she had something. She was compared to Stan Hansen due to how she carried herself as a star in the ring. And when she debuted on NXT last year officially as Raquel Gonzalez, I was very harsh early on about how she carried herself. Very wooden promos, did not relax whatsoever. Then eventually, she came into her own via that feud against Rhea Ripley and became a powerhouse. She was so dominant and strong and fierce. And she got better in the ring. She's still green in areas, but she is so much better than where she was a year ago. And that speaks to her growth and improvement as a performer. And Dakota Kai, I've been ride or die for Dakota for a very long time. That he'll turn nearly two years ago at War Games will stick in my mind as a moment that Dakota Kai finally arrived on NXT. And she has been sensational really putting people over and selling her ass off for every key moment regarding championship matches, war games, television matches. She puts herself on the line all the time to deliver her best performances, either to get herself over or her opponent. And that is the true sign of professionalism, that you will go above and beyond to make sure everything looks good and hits the mark. And I expect Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez to produce magic at TakeOver for the NXT Women's Championship. And I don't know how the crowd reaction is going to go because I know a lot of fans cheered the heel turn last week, but it's a different beast at a TakeOver. But look at the size discrepancy. This is a classic case of David versus Goliath. Dakota's David, Raquel's Goliath. The fans would tend to cheer for the smaller baby face, and that might very well be the case. It is going to be a unique dynamic, but I think both ladies would deliver the goods and have a very strong women's championship match at TakeOver 36. Next up is the final quarterfinals match and the breakout tournament featuring Joe Gacy versus Trey Baxter. A pretty decent match. It's kind of hard to get into a lot of unfamiliar faces in this tournament outside of Carmelo Hayes and Duke Hudson and Ikemen Juro, who exuded charisma for days and has since been bitched out on NXT TV, but I digress. But Trey Baxter delivered a beautiful 450 stomp to Joe Gacy's chest to secure the win and earn the right to most likely lose to Odyssey Jones <laughs> in the semifinals of the tournament as Carmelo Hayes faces Duke Hudson. And to me, that's a toss-up. My fave is Carmelo Hayes, but we shall see how NXT booking shakes out in the weeks heading into the finals at TakeOver, presumably. Next up is an outstanding prime target highlighting Walter versus Leo Dragunov 2 at TakeOver 36 for the NXT UK Championship. They had a hell of a match last year on NXT UK, which was voted as the best WWE match of the year by a lot of the experts and fans out there, and rightfully so. It was an incredible, brutal battle that was violent and wonderful and a joy to watch from beginning to end. And Walter has been NXT UK champion for two years, two whole years. 
800 plus days as champion if I had to guess at this point. And he deserves every day as champion. Will Dragunov knock this man off once and for all at the CWC, preferably outside of Florida with an audience that can truly capture this moment? I don't know. But in any event, they're going to put on a brutal clinic in that ring. And I cannot wait to see it at TakeOver 36 in a few weeks' time. And now it is time for our main event. It's love her or leave her. Johnny Gagana versus Dexter Loomis. If Dexter wins, he gets to date Indy Hartwell. If he loses, Indy cannot see Dexter anymore. And this match was solid for the time they were given as Dexter Loomis surprises people all the time with his agility, delivering a dropkick out of nowhere, followed by some arm drags. At one point, Indy Hartwell comes out there to survey the situation, and Dexter goes underneath the ring. Indy goes after him. Candice LeRae comes out a short time later, and she drags Indy out from underneath the ring, and out comes Dexter Loomis as they hold hands and stare lovingly into each other's eyes. And Johnny breaks that shit up immediately as we go picture in picture to wrap up the show. We come back and we have Dexter Loomis deliver a slingshot Falcon Arrow to Johnny Wrestling after he avoided a spear by Johnny moments earlier for another near fall. At one point, we have Johnny apply a cross face on Loomis. And Loomis caresses the face of Indy Hartwell in a very romantic moment as he grabs the ropes to break the hold. And during this time, Johnny is auguring with Indy to step back. Candace gets involved as well, and Dexter tries to roll up Johnny with the schoolboy for the win, but Johnny kicks out, and then he inadvertently knocks Dexter into Indy. Indy goes down. Dexter checks on Indy, and that allows Johnny to hit a DDT on the floor, followed by the one final beat DDT to pin Dexter Loomis. Dexter loses. He cannot see Indy Hartwell. Indy's heartbroken. And as the way goes up the ramp, Indy is pulled at the heartstrings and she runs to her man. She pounces him like a cheetah and proceeds to make out with Dexter Loomis. They have a makeout session that is very hot and heavy as NXT goes off the air at eight after the top of the hour. And it was a good way to end the show that completely waters down the stipulation moments after the match is over. So that was a waste of time. But at least we got indexed together officially with a good makeout session. And I could not not laugh at WWE's tweet saying, and this is how I met your mother in a nice nod to the sitcom of the same name that aired from 2005 through 2014 on CBS. Ted Mobley would be very proud of that little shout out. And it was cute. I will grant them that. And if WWE told long form storytelling to actually get to the kids in storyline form in the year 2045, that would be incredibly impressive. But that is wishful thinking on all of our parts to see if WWE can dig that deep in the future to redo How I Met Your Mother for the next generation. But this was a good way to end the show on a happy romantic note. Index is official and I cannot wait to see the first date, which must be documented for the history books, for the record, and to see how Indy communicates with Dexter, who does not speak except via his doodles. So this is a most unique relationship, and I cannot wait to see how it plays out on NXT television in the weeks to come. And I must mention briefly 
that Karrion Cross came out to taunt Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe came out and dispatched of the security that tried to stop their fight and he locked one of the security guards in the coquina clutch in a message directly to Karrion Cross. And it should be noted, they shot this angle twice during the second taping because fans chanted Hardy, Hardy, Hardy at Karrion Cross for losing to Jeff Hardy two weeks ago on Monday Night Raw. And guess what? He lost Monday night to Keith Lee. And granted, I was very happy that Keith Lee won, but it was at the expense of Karrion Cross, who is the reigning defending NXT champion who must defend this championship against Samoa Joe at TakeOver 36. And I do not understand why the Creative Brain Trust, which starts with Vince McMahon, is beating the reigning defending NXT champion before he drops the title on NXT to Samoa Joe so he can be a part of the main roster officially. And if you have this bright idea of beating him and beating him and beating him until Scarlett hits the scene to redeem him and get him on his winning ways, fine. I disagree with it, but whatever. But the fact that you have this guy on Monday Night Raw losing two out of three weeks in route to take over, that is a slap in the face to NXT, the talent, the championship, the brain trust, from Paul Levesque to Shawn Michaels to Road Dogg to anybody associated with that promotion, that is shameful to put that kind of stink on a marquee match at TakeOver. It's inexplicably stupid. If this was post-TakeOver, I would be irritated but not as upset because it's a choice. But to willfully do this, brings down the value of this match that has been built up so well over the last couple of months on NXT TV. And I don't know what kind of twisted game Vince is playing to lessen the impact of NXT on Tuesday nights when they make money for this company every year via the USA Network. Don't slight them. Don't be petty. Don't be stupid. And that is where this issue lies at its truest core. And it's really a shame that Samoa Joe, who's going to have his first match in over a year and a half against a watered-down, compromised NXT champion in Karrion Cross, who is going to get the Keith Lee whoop-whoop chance, the Hardy chance, and God knows what else because they've done damage to this man on the main roster, and it doesn't make any sense. And Samoa Joe deserves a better coronation than beating a guy that has been beaten on Raw two out of the last three weeks for reasons I simply do not understand and I don't care to understand because it does not make sense in the least. And with that, this wraps up a pretty blase NXT. Nothing to really write home about. I love Hit Row. Legato the Fantasma is the shit. I adore Cam and Grimes. Index is lovely. And that's about it in terms of highlights outside of the packages chronicling Dakota Kai's heel turn and the hype video for Dragunov versus Walter 2 at TakeOver 36 in a few weeks' time on Peacock. Elio Dragunov will be in the building next week live at the Capitol Wrestling Center, which should be great. Will Walter be far behind? We shall see. And also, a match I'm looking forward to is Ember Moon versus Saray. Unfortunately, somebody must lose, but it should be a really Good match, nonetheless, featuring two of the very best from the NXT women's division, which is stacked all day, every day. 
And on that note, this wraps up episode number 29 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's Black and Gold brand. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Rustoptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on this semi-daily, recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, and Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Feel free to download past episodes on all of your favorite podcast directories dating back to season one as we get ready for a very busy August, including the debut of AW Rampage next Friday, SummerSlam, take over the debut presumably of CM Punk at the United Center on Friday, August 20th, and so much more. You know what to do? Search Rust Subtopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 24 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TNT. Until then, enjoy your hump day. Stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. (laughs) 